Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, this is Joseph L. Flatley, and you are listening to Failed State Update. This is another bonus episode. Still haven't gotten around to to beginning the second season, but but I kind of have a doozy for you here today. Pretty interesting stuff. And last week, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, uh, Input Magazine, kind of gadget blog, technology lifestyle, whatever, published a story called Inside TikTok's Booming Dissociative Identity Disorder Community. And the author, Jessica Lucas, somehow failed to mention that uh, multiple personalities aren't really a thing, or more to the point, there's kind of this myth of multiple personalities being spontaneously generated by children who experience extreme trauma, when in reality there's this whole body of work that points towards multiple personalities more or less being created in the therapist's office years after the abuse may have occurred. Now this is an important point for a number of reasons, including the fact that the promoters of dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder, the two are used more or less interchangeably these days, are um, either charlatans or they're just under the mistaken belief that they are treating patients when they're actually making them worse. And and not only do people with these multiple personalities, which always involve repressed memories or memories created in therapy, and then the claim is made that they were repressed... Not only is this very traumatic for the for the patient, but people have gone to jail uh, on testimony based off of these false memories. So it's like a major problem. Not as big as it once was, but if uh, magazines like Input Mag keep promoting these ideas, it could be a huge problem again. And really, this this all kind of ties into the conspiracization of American culture, American society. The fact that we are living in this failed state, the fact that um, America is in decline and this decline is being expressed in all kinds of disturbing, weird, counterintuitive, paranoid ways. Um, MPD, multiple personality disorder, DID, dissociative identity disorder, like I said, they're pretty much the same thing or they are the same thing, Um, really were the hallmark of the satanic panic in the 80s and 90s. And um, I think it's uh, fair to say that the same people who are pushing the satanic panic are now using that to justify QAnon and Pizzagate and all these things. So this isn't the dumbing of the American mind as much as the uh, disordering of the American mind playing out in real time. 
So I wrote a piece, kind of a rebuttal, and it's on my Substack. I definitely think you should read it and subscribe to my newsletter, lennyflatley.substack.com. In the in the article, I interviewed Lucian Greaves of the Satanic Temple, who's been researching and reporting on this stuff for years. It has a really interesting take on it. So in addition to including him in my, my article, I am presenting to you this lightly edited, largely unexpurgated uh, recording of that interview that took place uh, a couple days ago on the phone. So by all means, listen to the podcast, check out the newsletter. If you're really interested, I wrote a book on this subject called Satan Goes to the Mind Control Convention. You can purchase it on Amazon or you can... Uh, get the audiobook from Audible. Uh, one thing that we do mention quite a bit in the interview is an organization called the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation, or ISSTD. This is a professional group working with discredited models of dissociation, multiple personalities, repressed memories that um, fall back to oftentimes UFOs and satanic cults to explain why so many people are experiencing multiple personality disorder and uh, repressed memories. But they are a really good barometer of who's a good therapist and who's not, I think. So you can just keep that in mind while we're listening. And then if you want to learn more about the ISSTD, you can check out my other stuff. At any rate... Without further ado, here is the Satanic Temple's co-founder, Lucian Greaves. But when his drinking, lusting, and his hunger for power became known to more and more people, the demands to do something about this outrageous man became louder and louder. Well, you know, we've been in this kind of uh, field of research, you and I, for a while now. And I feel like it's always been considered kind of like, I don't know, junk news in a way, you know, inappropriately. Like these kinds of far fringe extremes somehow, I think a lot of people don't see that they have a lot to say about humanity in general and uh, social state affairs. But I think like, now's the time, you know, like now, now, you know, especially with QAnon people, people see, you know, we had the conspiracy theorist president and now I, I feel like the topic is going to, I honestly feel like there's going to be an upsurge in universities and shit like that on coursework regarding conspiracy theory and these, these fringe cultures we've been investigating all this time. And the, and the one thing where it's like, I, I feel like I differ from the kind of, the research the the university level researchers for year that have been looking at this stuff for a long time is it's like you know i see it being pathologized not in the sense that it's i mean obviously it's stupid and dangerous but it's like it's not like aberrant social behavior it's normal social behavior and to like pretend that it's not is dangerous so it's kind of like I definitely see, like, at first I was like, oh, my God, all these people are jumping on this bandwagon. But then, like, what I really looked 
when I really looked at their um like what they were saying about conspiracy theories and all this stuff, I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I actually don't think they're all getting it right. No, and I, I feel that way a lot of times too about the history of the satanic panic. There's like this received academic narrative about this is where it started, this is where it ended, and like there's like too strong a uh a narrative that's just wrong i think about the idea that the satanic panic came to an end and i feel like you can't really put a nail in it like at the point where nothing was done to remedy these things and you know all the factors that were involved in the satanic panic to begin with are still at play you know they may have diminished a bit like even the media part of it wasn't rectified you know and the the practices in the psychotherapeutic community and everything. It's just, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And I think people are only really starting to kind of wake up to that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I remember one of the first times we talked, so was that 2018 or something? And like me wondering, like if it was kind of a question, like, is the satanic panic going to come back? It's like, I think it was both. I think it was obvious to both of us that it did come back and then it never left, but still, it still seemed like a little too early to like, it was like, I didn't want to like ring that alarm because it still seemed really weird. And like, like it wasn't possibly true. Like it didn't feel like it could be true, even though like all signs indicated. <laughs> well, there's also the question I always have when people say that it's like, what do you mean by it coming back? You right. know what I mean? Because, to me, it's just a matter of like, how high is the volume on this, you know, and, and who can really say with, with a certain amount of precision, like, is the satanic panic coming back? Well, yeah, it's here, you know, just like, how bad does it get? <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the question, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think like, I kind of realize now that we, I don't even think I know how bad it can get, but I feel like I'm going to find out. Right. I have been noticing this rising trend in people identifying with dissociative identity disorder on social media. And honestly, I have no, no idea what direction that's going to go because it kind of seems to upend the old model of dissociative identity disorder. And, but then again, you know, multiple personality disorder was rebranded as dissociative identity disorder and they tried to give it more of a scientific sound after multiple personality disorder kind of fell out of favor for its relationship to the satanic panic and for the various lawsuits brought forward by people who felt they were coerced into remembering traumas that had never taken place. And in certain circles of the study of dissociative identity disorder, they tried to separate themselves a bit from the theory of repressed memories and the tactics of recovered memories, but they only did that rhetorically in practice. They were still using hypnosis guided imagery sessions and other things to try to pry into the mind of people they had diagnosed as having multiple personalities in finding what they presumed to be must be the suppressed or repressed trauma that had caused it to be so. Um, now, I think you see these people on social media identifying as having multiple personalities, and I can't tell if with them it's important 
that they have the trauma-based narrative. If it's important to them that in their past that they were sexually abused or whatever else. And my feeling is that it might not be, even if they're claiming that that was, that must be part of their history. That might just be kind of taking on the old, uh, you know, the old received wisdom about the condition, but we're also looking at a generation for whom saying that they identify a certain way is also kind of sacrosanct and it does not need uh, an explanation like that and doesn't necessarily need to be pathologized. In the past, the DID crowd kind of would be insulting about the idea that they might have some kind of mental disorder like schizophrenia. And if you're going to use the terminology of today's TikTok DID crowd, isn't that a bit ableist, you know, for them to be like, well, we're not like them, you know, we're not, we're not uh, mentally deranged or, or crazy like that. We're, we're victims of, of trauma, you know, but you're still pathologizing it when you have this kind of trauma-based explanation for what DID is. And the fact of the matter is, is there's no real scientific evidence to support this trauma-based theory of dissociative identity disorder. And there's every reason to believe that dissociative identity disorder is kind of cultivated as a sociocognitive construct. And it's a way that people identify. And there was, you know, the old school crowd, as I said, very much rejected that notion. They didn't, they didn't want to be told that this was something that might be cultivated or that this might be a context that they identify with. I'm not sure that the new generation is going to have any reservations about that. I don't know if they're going to have any reservations about saying that, you know, my mood states are such that I've contextualized them as multiple identities. And that's, that's the way I am. You know, that's, that's intrinsically in some way, you know, that that's a, that's a better way of living my life for me. And and I don't need somebody telling me that I can only be this way because I must've suffered horrific abuse, which, you know, may or may not have ever happened in the backgrounds of their lives. So I think it could go, I think it could go that way. I think it could go the way of people saying like, this is how I identify. This is how I choose to cope with my daily life kind of thing. Or they could subscribe to the old trauma-based model, and I kind of feel like that's somewhat dependent on the influencer messaging that goes out right now. That's really interesting, because it's like, you know, social media tends to, and I I think all media does this, but social media, it's we can kind of watch it happen in real time because it's so fast-moving, you know, kind of takes concepts and teases them out, you know, in their, in its, into, in its own way. So it's like DID meets TikTok and then you get like whatever the, you know, you get like a new permutation of DID based on like the, whatever's going on in social media and whatever, however people use social media. And it, I wouldn't say perversion, but just like a permutation. And, um, it sounds like you're saying that it's almost as if this social media permutation of DID is kind of like laying bare some of the um some of the qualities of DID that um 
that, you know, people like this Robert Mueller and the ISSTD, you know, would rather us not look at, you know, like you look at Robert Mueller's quotes, you know, he, he is with the ISSTD and he's written about satanic abuse and ritual abuse and stuff. And, um, you know, you read what he has to say in the input mag piece and he's really like, yeah, you know, I don't think that, you know, he's like dismissive or, you know, definitely disagrees with the TikTok DID crowd. It's almost like the old schools, <laughs> you know, coming down and saying, you know, these kids, they have it wrong. Right. And who are they to say that? Right. To me, if somebody, uh, you know, my only issue with dissociative identity disorder and its treatment has been this idea that it's entirely dependent upon repressed memories of abuse. So you'd have people going into the therapist's office being diagnosed as having multiple personalities, you know, if they have extreme mood states or whatever causes them to contextualize somebody as having DID. And in a lot of cases, what we've seen is you just have somebody who has a specialty with dissociative identity disorder. And no matter what lip service they play to the notion that, oh, this is rare and I'm an expert in it, they just somehow managed to, you know, have a bunch of people who happen to have DID come into their office. But, uh, and, and then they go digging for, for this trauma. And we, there is very reliable research, uh, the whole body of evidence that you can cultivate false memories in people and that these false memories can be very traumatic at the point where you've convinced somebody that they've suffered horrific abuses that they never came into. And of course, this is the whole argument again. So I have to add the whole, all the caveats. I'm not saying abuse doesn't happen. I'm not saying that memories of abuse are false. I'm saying that if somebody is telling you that you have symptoms of being abused and you don't remember it, that's very spurious and not, uh, not scientifically supported that somebody can can divine that from a from symptoms like you know those that which are supposed to indicate DID but that led to people contriving these memories and sometimes proven false memories that they had been abused by people and it destroyed their families it destroyed their support network and it caused a lot of mental distress that, you know, the person going in for therapy did not need to suffer. They were further victimized by the therapy they had. But if you're talking somebody kind of mapping themselves and how they handle their daily life as being DID, if they're more comfortable, you know, feeling like they're in the skin of somebody else or, you know, thinking of themselves by different names due to different circumstances, different times of day, different mood states they're in, I I really don't have anything to say about that unless it somehow really conflicts with them being constructive and happy. You know, I, I don't know that that doesn't help them in their daily life. I don't know that that's a bad thing for them to do. I feel like it's a bad thing if it causes them to embrace a false autobiographical narrative of abuse, but otherwise like the rise of DID on TikTok. uh, you know, how do I feel about that? It just depends on the way it goes. It depends on the theory behind it there. And I think, though, that with the rise of the Internet and people kind of putting a camera to their daily lives, the narrative of DID did have to change because previously there was this notion that people would have these mood states and have no memory for it in their next uh, 
in their next personality uh, uprising thereafter, that these personalities were amnesiac for one another. And that was actually part of the diagnostic criteria. You know, if somebody's Annie one moment and then becomes Susan the next, they're not supposed to remember each other when they shift states. And obviously when people are on TikTok showing their shifts in, uh, in, in personalities, uh, that's not tenable anymore. And they can have a full, full documentary evidence of who they are at every moment. And they're still claiming DID and not reintegrating, nor does it seem that they want to, from what I understand of what I'm seeing on, on TikTok. And plus in the article that you showed me, it was saying that these people claim to change, you know, 50 to 75 times per day. That doesn't really make sense when you're seeing like full costume changes and hairstyle changes either. So I also think that at a certain point, people are going to have to reconcile themselves to the fact that they're feeling more comfortable identifying with a personality at one time rather than another, that they know full well that they have enough time to change their outfit and change their look to go along with it. And fuck, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, right? I mean, that's my thinking on that. I I feel like the the new DID culture here that's coming up, uh, the ISSTD has every reason to be frightened by it. And I feel like if they're contextualizing their DID the way I think they might be, they have every reason to be pissed off at the ISSTD. Mm -hmm. That's that's fascinating. I mean, like, it really, you know... It really puts DID people, you know, uh, how how would I say it? The DID identified, or you know, DID identifying people, individuals, in the same category as like alien abductees, you know, who I've met. I've met people who'd have swore they've seen aliens, they've talked to aliens, or you know, people talk to angels. I mean, if it's not leading to other problems, you know, it's like, yeah, live your life that way. Well, well, now, now, according to the ISSTD, DID does belong alongside alien abduction, and that's only because of the recovered memory aspect of it. You know, the, the evidentiary basis for alien abduction came from people going under hypnosis or doing other memory recovery tactics and coming up with these narratives about how they were abducted by extraterrestrials. Um, on the same front, you know, the narrative of satanic ritual abuse and these debunked notions of uh, satanic cult conspiracy came from DID therapy for the most part, where people went in, recovered memories of extreme abuse and the, you know, it kept compounding, you know, the stories kept degenerating further and further, uh, probably had a lot to do with the prurient interests of the therapists and, you know, their alleged expertise in satanic ritual abuse and came up with these utterly untrue stories if you remove the recovered memory repressed memory aspect of did it's a completely different story and plus it gives people who identify as did more autonomy over their own identification you know it it gives them some kind of empowerment uh of their own mental state rather than putting it in the hands of some conspiracist therapist who's telling them that they know better what's happened to them in their lives than they do. You know, you talk to people who have, you know, experienced recovered memories and then come to realize that they were created in therapy, and it's like, 
it's a very coercive process and it's like very it's a it's a very real phenomenon that's coercive on the part of the therapist and it's very traumatic for the person in therapy and i have to imagine that like traditional DID therapy like Sybil or Cornelia Wilbur stuff is like is every bit as distressing and traumatic yeah I do have to add the caveat of course that I am not a mental health professional I've seen all the harm that's been caused uh, by recovered memory therapies but even though I speak in this kind of uh uh very liberal way about uh, we'll let people go ahead and identify as DID, you know, removed from this, this pseudoscientific aspect. I can't say one way or another, whether that's a healthy way to go about things. It could be, is what I'm saying. It, it could be the healthiest way for certain people to cope with whatever, with whatever they have going on in their lives to, uh, to present themselves with multiple personalities, to have, that multiple personality framework in themselves. Uh, it, in, in, in that way, I see it as perhaps that's fine. It could be that that's a horrible way to go about it. And you, you know, and, and it's a very dysfunctional way, but I do think, you know, that it's uh, it, regardless either way that that would play out. Um, it certainly must be better to uh, identify as DID removed from recovered memories and removed from the trauma model than to embrace the trauma model. Oh, sure. And, you know, and it depends how it kind of plays out for the individual. Like, you know, there's this whole mad pride movement where people experiencing psychosis or, you know, whatever mental problems um, kind of embrace it and reject drugs and it really improves their life. And I also know people in the same boat who, they don't want to do that. <laughs> they they want to, you know, they, they want to, you know, go the medication route and they want to be involved with clinicians who help them out and their, their life improves through that way. So, I mean, it's not like a one size fits all thing. And, you know, as long as we have this like false trauma model getting involved, it, it'd be impossible to parse out like what's best for an individual, what's best, you know, in generally speaking for most people. It's all about just like removing the noise and the really the con artists from the equation. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's just okay to pretend you're DID. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, even completely rejecting the trauma model and even speaking with retractors, you know, I've spoken with retractors who, who came away from therapy, uh, denied the validity of the trauma model of DID, but very much felt they were DID. But in their case, they felt it was imposed upon them by the therapist. But that didn't mean that they were acting. You know, it didn't mean necessarily that they were gullible. This was a context they were given. Uh, they mapped themselves out that way. That's how they confronted the world. And, you know, it might be completely legitimate that some people do that. You know, some people just find that, you know, the way in which they can, you know, they can confront reality or whatever. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it's an act, you know, it, it doesn't mean it, it, it's a, you know, it's a show or a facade or, you know, it, 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 and it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's incurable by any means, you know, it, it, uh, 
I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's really intriguing to me to see this happening in wondering which way it plays out. And I'm really, you know, I, I think you can tell I'm looking at it optimistically and I'm really hoping that this, you know, liberates uh, a certain market here from a, a very harmful pseudoscientific practice within therapy. Right, right. And, you know, that's an important point you just made. I kind of want to underline it. You know, um, if if you believe that DID is not real or that it's not what, you know, that it's not literally like multiple personalities, that you're not saying that somebody's making it up or pretending. This is a real phenomenon that's happening where the individual is living within this framework, you know, it's a real thing that's happening. I think we're just differing on what's happening and why. I think people are generally unaware of how sparse the evidence is or non-existent. The evidence is that the trauma model explains dissociative identity disorder because you'll see that there's journal articles claiming, oh, well, you know, there's plenty of support for the idea that uh, uh, previously uh, unremembered traumas caused dissociative identity disorder. But what isn't bad data, you know, uh, data used to draw uh, spurious conclusions or outright uh, fabricated data, like if you look at uh, Bessel van der Kolk's study where, you know, they had to uh, uh, be rid of uh, one of the co-authors' names for faking data, but he he kept the paper anyway. In, In various cases like that, all you really have are retrospective surveys in which people who are already invested in the notion that their DID must have derived from prior abuse and were going through therapy, you know, based on the trust they had built with their their therapist who had told them this, uh, you know, they give them a survey that would say, so were you abused? And if they said yes, you know, they took this as evidence of the fact that the trauma model was true. So it was kind of circular logic uh, but we really don't have anything better than that. And I'm not convinced given all the cases we've seen where, you know, the supposedly recovered memories were disproven given alien abduction cases, given the satanic panic and the narratives that came from that, given the unreliability of recovered memory narratives in general. But, you know, like I said, there are retractors who would tell me they were very much DID when they had DID, you know, and it didn't matter to them where it came from. They were suffering from it. And I don't, I'm not even convinced there that it's something you necessarily need to suffer from, but I think the suffering comes from the imposition of that narrative that you must've had suffered extreme abuse to have gotten there. It's been one of the most horrific episodes in, uh, in psychiatric history. And there's a a brutal history of psychiatry, but the fact that this still goes on to this day, you know, something that's implicated as, you know, being instrumental in a modern witch hunt and and carries on is, is just, uh, it's ponderous to me. And in this, you know, I think people see this kind of uprising of people identifying as DID on TikTok and think, Oh, here we go again. But on the other side of that, you know, if it goes the other way, this could be the final nail in the coffin for the old school of DID, the old 
anti-Satanist school uh, dependent upon recovered memories. You know, I mean, just kind of like one thing I'm trying to tease out is like, it's just the nature of like TikTok being a young, like social media um, age thing versus like the STD, which is like obviously trapped in like web 1.0 <laughs> shitty websites and like you know it's like seems to me that like there's a real tech technological difference it's like what does tiktok prefer it prefers happy people who you know have you know who have venmo accounts you know who can get you to like keep watching something it doesn't favor like these like old like colin ross like doomsayers who you know couch everything in this like really boring long techno babble um, it's like, I think the ISSTD is just kind of a, a dinosaur in this case. Right. And plus they're still putting forward the message that, uh, that people who identify as DID are enslaved by some conspiracy that, you know, most reasonable people don't take seriously to begin with. So, you know, they serve to further ostracize anybody who might feel more comfortable identifying as DID. And and I do feel like they really are the dinosaurs here. And, and if people are looking at them as being the defenders of, of, of people in this context, they're not, if anything, they're, I think uh, they're abusing them to be quite honest. And I don't know. I, I, I will just see how this plays out. I mean, I, I, I've given you a very optimistic take. I realize that, but I don't feel it's implausible.